Well, that'll make you feel better about the offensive line. Brent Venable saying it's been a strong point for us throughout fall camp. I heard that right, Travis, correct? Oh, oh yes, you did. Yes, you did. Strong point for us throughout fall camp. You know, the offensive line, the position that, I mean, me especially, saying it was the biggest question mark on the team. And he said that they can roll out nine deep right now. That Wanye Morris is playing his best football. Tyler Guyton's that guy. They like four tackles, including two true freshmen, five on the inside. Um, all right. I, that could be, to me, that's the best possible news that could have come out of training camp. Right. And and it's easy to say, oh, man, they've, they've been really good, and then just kind of be done with the question, right? Just, oh, man, they've been really good. We've been happy with what we've seen. You know, you hear that from coaches a lot. But for him to go through and corroborate a lot of the things that we've been hearing, whether it's from Teddy, whether it's from Parker, whether it's from, you know, a lot of sources that have been seeing practices, what's really impressive to me, though, are the two Jakes to come in as true freshmen at a position where you typically need to be a bit more grown up, not not from a, I mean, yes, from a maturity standpoint, but I'm saying physically, you need to be more physically grown uh, and and really come into your body to be an offensive lineman for those guys to just come on and looks like they might get some playing time and offensive line is interesting because once you get your five those are your guys that out snap everybody this isn't like rotating out wide receivers or running backs your offensive line is your offensive line but as Lebby likes to run the ball in that second half expect some guys with some fresh legs with cruel intentions to come off the bench and dominate that defensive line. And, and really note what Brett Venable said there. He didn't say that it's performing to expectations or you know a little bit better than what we thought it was going to be. It's been a strength for us throughout camp so far. I, I mean, that, that's not exactly what he said. I, I misquoted him a little bit, but he's saying that the offensive line has been a strength for them so far throughout camp. Uh, if you would have asked me going into training camp, Travis, hey, which position group would you pick that outshines, outplays the rest, whatever, it, I would, you wouldn't even have been able to finish the question, and I would have said offensive line. If this offensive line is good, if this offensive line is really good, it's going to be a top five offense in college football this year with what they have at quarterback and what they have at the skill positions because I think that they're loaded at both of those spots. So the offensive line, not just being good, but being a strength, I'm, I'm serious. I, I th- That is the best possible news you could have wanted to hear throughout training camp. We'll see if it happens during the season. You always got to say that. I understand that. So far throughout training camp, if Brent Venable's saying that, that's the best thing you could possibly hear up to yeah, this point. And let's think back to 2018, right? Uh, we had a, a defense that ranked outside the top 100. I would argue, you know, not a knock on those specific athletes, but you know, results-wise, probably one of the worst defenses in Oklahoma history, if not the worst defense in Oklahoma history. That team made it to a playoff. So when you look at that, you think, okay, Kyler gets a lot of the credit, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh man, Kyler's just incredible. That offensive line was a Joe Moore award winner. They won the award for best offensive line in the country. That, I think, deserves... Uh, maybe if not equal, at least more credit than they get for getting that 28 team uh, all the way to uh, the playoffs because with that defense, uh, they really had no business being in there. Uh, But the offensive line, if they're good, everything else is good. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Text line says, well, perhaps it's your depleted defensive line. That's the thing, though. That doesn't sound like it's the case. They've got R. Mason Thomas, who's a true freshman, that's playing really He's well right yeah. now. Jalen Redmond looks like 
finally the player that we've been hoping that he could be for a while. And I'm sure you're probably sitting there and saying, well, how can the offensive line be this great strength and the defensive line could be playing as well, too? I, I think that you could definitely have your moments where both units look really good. Like, these guys have coached enough football they could tell if a position group is good or not. You could tell if an offensive line is good or not. So I don't think it's because the defensive line is depleted because I'm hearing the exact opposite. The defensive line's been playing really really good as well. I will never say that our defensive line is depleted when Todd Bates is the one coaching it and Miguel Chavis is there. Like, Todd Bates has never had a depleted defensive line. I mean, we've got talent there. We brought in transfers. Uh, we've heard great things about Jordan Kelly. Uh, about R. Mason Thomas, about Marcus Stripling, about Ethan Downs, about um, Jalen Redmond, about I mean, we've got we've got dudes there. Isaiah Coe has had some some real nice things said about him. Like it's it's definitely not a situation where oh they're just pushing around a bunch of bums out there. Uh, Jay in Tulsa says uh, one quick question, fellas. Do you have any idea who in the twenty three class plans to enroll early? Great show today. I honestly have no idea who plans to enroll early in 23. I'm not sh- I'm not sure, but I know a, a ton of them are. It will be the it'll be the vast majority. I think the only ones that might not can't cuz I think um I don't think Cade McIntyre is because I believe he goes to a private Catholic school that doesn't have the opportunity to get all of his credits done in time the way they structure out their schedule. So I talked to him about that. So there might be some situations where people just can't. But I think in this day and age, everybody pretty much plans that. I mean, you see what an advantage. Everybody's goal is to get on the field as quickly as possible, start putting reps together, tape together, on film, good stuff on film um, to to help them in the draft process. So I, I think the vast majority are. I only know of Cade McIntyre that's not simply because um, the way his school schedule works. The big story of the day, and you've had opinions on this, you're going to continue to have opinions on this. Heck, I I said on Twitter today, on our uh, Twitter page, The Ref, go follow us there if you haven't already, send us your uh, reaction and gift form to what OU announced today with the tailgating policies, which it's the tailgating policy is very similar to what it's been really the past four years. If you want a primo spot, Tailgating on Saturdays, well, you're going to have to pay for it. And you're going to have to pay upwards of $2,000 for a primo tailgate if you want to be in the best spot on, on campus now. So there are there's still some areas around campus where it's free and you can do your own thing like you have been forever. But those places are few and far between right now. It is very much a commercialized setup for for tailgating at OU, which has a lot of people upset, and I, I can see why. Hey, for now. Hey, you never – with I mean, with the uh, outcry, like I said, on, on the text line and obviously all over social media and this, that, and the other, it could be a situation, you know, where when we know we're going to the SEC, they make a change. Who knows? These, these things can definitely change. I know it's been going on for years, but – Little by little, once they understand the importance, once a lot of these, you know, a lot of these guys start going to away SEC games as they start to get prepared, they're gonna see, okay, we might need to rethink this. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to like look at air that that um, the North Oval, which I think is the best tailgating spot, is you've got that area that's not open to the public. 
really, you're kind of looking at, what would that be? Is that the Duck Pond area over there where there's some public tailgating? Um, and there's just not a whole lot of great places close to the stadium. So what, what did you say the prices were? I know it's upwards of $2,000. What was the cheapest yeah, availability uh, uh, Upwards of 2000 um, for kind of their biggest and best. So um, I was – I was on the site a, a little bit earlier. It's three hundred or it's twelve one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars to be around the Lindsay area by the Walk of Champions. If you want a twenty by twenty tent, you know, fifteen chairs, three tables, this, that, and the other. If you just want the cheapest, three hundred and fifty dollars for ten people, they get you a ten by ten tent, but you know, not not any of their upgrades or anything like that, but three hundred fifty bucks. You still have to buy all the drinks. You still have to buy all the food. You still got to bring all the bring all the you know. If you've got a grill or something like that, you need to you know you need to fire up. You you got all this stuff that you still have to do. If you want to get a TV set up, better bring it. Like there's still so much that is just for the tent and the space. Yeah. And every tent's gonna look exactly the same. They're gonna be white tents. They're not gonna. They're you know. They're not gonna have. The There's not character. gonna be any personality or no, character, no character to it, which is exactly what you're gonna say. What you're about to say. We were never. I, I I was fortunate enough to grow up going to OU football games, but we weren't really huge tailgaters. Like we would go to a tailgate now and then that somebody else had, but it was never. I never got to grow up in like the big tailgating atmosphere of that space. Sounded awesome at the time. It's just not something that we did. Whatever, that's fine. I still had a great times going to games, but as much as I didn't experience tailgate growing up, I know that commercialized tailgating, Travis, is just. I don't know. I feel like if I invited you to a commercialized tailgate of mine, you'd say, "Come on, bro." Say, nah, I'm, I'm, really? I'm, I'm, I mean, it sounds cool, and I'll come over there for a free beer or two. But here's, here's commercialized, the like, it, 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 like the the pain and the the struggle that goes into tailgating is what makes the experience really. Here's the problem. This is going to go by the way of some like Dallas Cowboys sweet tickets. A lot of people, companies will buy them for the whole season. And then sometimes you just don't have the people that want to go. Like sometimes, and and this isn't. I'm just picking Dallas because they have just so many suites. I mean, they just have a ton of them. So you'll have people that just don't want to go. The problem is that's they hide in the suite. You can't really tell they're not in there. If these companies shell out money to buy this tent area for the whole year, and then they don't have anybody showing up, yeah, how bad does that look? You just have a table with some chairs. Just hanging out next to somebody, and, and that's really my concern. Yeah, is they're gonna pay for the spot, and then they're gonna say, "Oh, you know, I think I'm actually, you know, gonna go to Lake. Hey, I, I forgot I got these tickets. Can you go? No, sorry, I've got something coming up. I've got, and they're gonna sit empty. And this company say, "Hey, they paid for them. Nobody else can can use that stuff. That's gonna be the problem. Is we're gonna see game day emptiness. It, it's very similar to owning the same season tickets in the same seat for thirty years. What naturally happens? Well, you get to know the people that sit around you. You only see them for six or seven times a year. But once you see them, it's like you know, nothing had ever happened. You just pick right up. Like that's your Saturday friends right there. That's my favorite part." of having season tickets is to have that little community around you. Same thing for tailgating, right? Exactly. People have been tailgating forever. They don't just go to their own tailgate. They go to other people's tailgate. It, it's kind of like a small community. You don't get that with corporate tailgating. You know, yeah. you don't get that 
real Saturday atmosphere Organic, kind of feel. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't. It, it's forced. It's kind of. It's just not. It's not the same. It, it, it's. I, I am interested, and I know the text line is going to say that Tennessee has this as well. And yes, maybe they will change these guidelines and, and do some different things before they roll to the SEC. I would guess that that's probably going to happen. But if it doesn't, I'll be interested in the reaction of some of these SEC fans that come to Norman and say, whoa, like this is your tailgating seat? Like you guys aren't even allowed to tailgate in this area right here? Oh, boy. It's going to be a bad look. Anyway, you slice it. Really, anyway, you slice it. It's going to be a bad look. Uh, do you think, okay, Victoria on the text line. Let's get a few texts here before we roll into a break. Victoria says, do you think USC will give free tickets to the homeless just so their stadium looks more full? Totally off topic. Still very funny, Victoria. Yes. Uh, to pack in the biggest home games of the year, I think you will see upwards of 60,000 homeless uh, in the stands at the Coliseum I'll tell you what, LA's- And you can easily find 60,000 homeless yeah. in that area. LA is a very trendy place, so... Uh, you know, some of the way those trends are going, it might be hard to differentiate between just ultra-trendy Californians and homeless Californians. So I'm not sure. But they've got plenty of them out there. And and the thing is, I, I think, and I've said this before, USC is going to turn into the the away game that everybody goes to. They're the Chargers of the NFL. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to fill their own stadium. So other people, especially when they go to the Big Ten, they're going to say, you know, the people that live in – you know, Wisconsin in Minnesota, trying to escape you know, the cold and saying, Hey, we get to go to sunny LA to watch the golden Gophers or, you know, the Badgers or whoever play in December. Sure. Sign me up. So you'll have all these snowbirds going out West and they're not going to have any home games. It's almost like going to Baylor back in the day in the early two thousands when they were so bad. It's like, well, you go out there and you know, if nothing else, you're going to get a really cheap ticket. Well, that's what I used to do to <laughs> KU. I'd go up and yeah. see my buddy Jay at uh, at KU, and we would sit, we'd get in the game for free, and then we'd always be on the on the OU side. And by the halftime, you could just walk down and sit like five rows up on the fifty yard line, right behind the team. I mean, it's that's uh, that was kind of nice. Floyd Casey Stadium back in the day, you could literally walk up to the ticket office and buy tickets on the forty on the home side that were great seats and not for a whole lot of money either. They were just dying to get people in there. That's when they had the big tarp in the end zone that says yeah. this is – you got a tarp in your end zone Ooh, that says this is bear country. If you got a tarp in the end rough. zone or a track around your field, it's not great. Yeah. Jeff and Ada says, do the coaches have any confidence in QB2? God forbid anything happens to Dylan Gabriel. I guarantee you they feel a heck of a lot better about quarterback two now than what they did during spring ball. I mean, you got one guy – that played in a New Year's Six Bowl game last year, and a guy in general booty that they feel pretty good about, and that's not even counting Nick Evers. Now, look, would the coaching staff feel as good if Dylan Gabriel was to go down? Of course not. But I don't think it would be a complete and utter disaster. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I wouldn't think that they would win the Big 12 anymore, but I don't think that they would roll to like a five-win season if something were to happen. No. No, no. I, I, yeah, I agree with that take. What else we got on the text line? Uh, OU should make money by providing services like electricity, catering, game, security. Make life easier on the tailgate by providing a service, not monopolizing access. That's from Zane and Tulsa. Right. Zane's got a good point here. There are other ways to monetize it. There are, there are problems with the current 
tail, I mean, any tailgate in the country, right? You know, you could say, okay, I set up my own tailgate. Oh, crap, i got to go into the game, so now i got to pack everything up, get it in the truck, but I had to park the truck elsewhere. So there there are definite uh, rough edges that maybe the university could smooth out by saying, I don't know, maybe hire security or something to, to stay by the tailgates. There there are other ways um, to where you can you can likely monetize that, whether it's ice delivery, whether it's – you know, a, a restaurant. There are, are ways. Zane brings up a good point. I just haven't fleshed it out enough. But yeah. there are ways to do it other than saying you got to work with this company and you got to pay them anywhere from three hundred and fifty to twenty one hundred dollars uh, to have a tailgate. And if you don't want to pay, good luck. Here are the only spots you can do it. Have at it. No, they're not great spots, but see ya. We know this is exactly where you want to be. Yeah. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. More college football on the other side. Texas had a open practice under the lights at DKR last night. We'll tell you uh, if anyone is emerging at quarterback, as well as the big camp storylines for OU right now, as we are nearing the halfway point of training camp for OU. Kickoff just 17 days away. Keep it locked on the ref for the homeless Suter fans. Undertaker trying to tell us all that uh, Texas is bigger, stronger, faster. By God, I hope so. After what I saw from that 5-17 and 17 that lost to KU last year and blew a 28-7 lead in the Cotton Bowl and got destroyed in Fayetteville, Arkansas. The Undertaker, the WWE, that's that's what he's telling you. They're, they're bigger, stronger, and faster from last year. Oh, oh boy. Mm, okay. 6-6 six and six on the way, baby. 6-6 six and six on, the, on way, the way, says The Undertaker. You think Hark, uh, Hark, Sark is on any sort of a hot seat this year after a five and seven year? Man, he he should be, but I don't know that he is. I think since he's got Arch in the boat, I think they are fine with literally whatever happens this year, and says, you know what, we'll roll the dice. Arch is going to be our savior and is going to come. But that's the problem. When Arch gets there, they're still going to be bad. Well, let's hear what Sean Clinch had to say on Steel Man and Thune at noon today. He did TV in the Austin area. He covers Texas. He was here in OKC for a while. Good dude. He answered the same question I just asked you. He ain't getting five years. Bro, five years is insane. If you sign him to five years, good for us. Yeah. No, I, I – um, and I do agree with you that – the Arch Manning situation, if he were to roll off a 6-6 six, six and six this year, he's coming back for year three because of Arch Manning. But even with that being said, he ain't staying five years. I, I don't think Arch Manning stays for three years at Texas. And if Arch Manning goes somewhere at some point, <laughs> Sark ain't going to be the head coach of Texas Arch anymore. might not even sign with Texas. We don't know that. I mean, there are other suitors that are still after Arch. This isn't just locked like lockdown type situation. Also... He wants to talk about, well, man, Charlie Strong even lost to Arkansas in the Texas Bowl. Sark didn't make a bowl. Like, So you're going to pick on Charlie Strong for losing a bowl game to Arkansas. Sark doesn't make a bowl. You want, he said, well, the way Tom Herman ran things, I don't, you know, there's things that they didn't like. Tom Herman had a 10-win season, won three bowl games, and had back-to-back number three classes and all that, like, like here, here's the problem, and this is why Texas is Texas. It's oh man, we're putting a lot of money in now that we got Sark. Oh good, money's gonna fix it. You know, they may have had a problem with how Tom Herman ran some things. Tom Herman was winning. He was winning 
at a, and not winning at an elite level, but winning more than Sark has. So he says, oh, man, if we can see like a seven-win, eight-win season, some improvement, I think we're good. What? Seven wins at Texas? With the biggest brand in sports, all this money, got all this talent. People picking them in the conference Yeah, they're top, top, eight, top eight roster according to the blue chip ratio. You think that seven wins, eight wins is – I mean, we, OU just had a down year at 11-2 and two, for God's sakes. OU hasn't lost – I mean, seven wins, 90, 1999. Hasn't yeah. happened this millennium. Yeah. So, but, if they win seven games in any year, someone's getting fired. That's that's what's happened when they've won eight games here recently. But that, that's what's amazing. Oh, uh, we're putting money in now. Money's going to fix it. We didn't like what Herman was doing. Oh, yeah, winning a 10-win – getting a 10-win season, winning a Sugar Bowl. Oh, we didn't like what Charlie Strong was doing, that he lost to Arkansas in, a, in the Texas Bowl. At least he made a bowl. Like, that's an improvement over what you did last year. Oh, it's, crazy. It's silly. Um, OU camp right now, we heard from Brents at the, at the top of the hour saying that offensive line has been a strength for this team so far in training camp. That's really good to hear. I don't know if it's a surprise. I'd say – one of the other big um, the happenings on the field on the offensive side of the ball is you got two two uh, true freshmen that are balling out there at wide receiver, Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson. Jaden Gibson saw him in the spring game, had a long touchdown. Nick Anderson, you didn't see him because of an injury he had, but Nick Anderson didn't just start balling in training camp. He was playing really well before that injury that he had in spring ball. And now both of those guys, it's not a situation, Travis, where, well, they had a good scrimmage and they put another nice practice together. They've they've had, you know, back-to-back, you know, a few nice practices here. It looks like consistently they're one of the better wide receivers on the field. It is time to have a real real conversation. We still got to figure out who the leading wide receiver is going to be. But four weeks ago we would have said, all right, it's going to be Mims or it's going to be Farouk. And maybe it will be. But now you got to say, is it going to be Mims? Is it going to be Farouk? Is it going to be Nick Anderson? Or Theo is it going to be Jaden Gibson? Potentially even Theo Weiss. There's four to five guys we can legitimately have a conversation I mean, I mean, for for leading receiver. Drake Stoops is going to have a ton of catches. I mean, he's not your big play over the top guy, but but he you look for him on third down, and he's going to bring it. He's going to bring it home. But it's it's a it's truly amazing how deep our wide receiver core is. I mean, you look at just those guys. You didn't even mention the two transfers that are studs that came in. Came in. LVBS is looking great. J.J. Hester is is a body that we might not have right now um, at his size and speed and strength. Uh, no, the, the wide receiver room is absolutely stacked. I – should we just take the lame – are you going to take the lame pick here and still say it's Mims, wide receiver number one? Give me Theo Weiss. Really? Give me Theo Weiss. Okay. I, I think – I think he's got good chemistry uh, with Dylan Gabriel. I think he's shown out when he's been healthy. And I know this is a, a common theme that we've said. We said it earlier with Jalen Redmond. When Theo's been healthy, he has shown that he's got the moves in the open field, that he's got the size, uh, he's, he's the body type that is an NFL-type body type. Give me Theo Weiss. I don't want to take the, the low-hanging fruit and go with the former freshman All-American. Uh, text line, hey, here's your chance to call your shots. Uh, leading receiver on this team. I don't want to pick Mims. Nothing against him. It's just because it's the lame pick. But 
even with these two freshmen emerging and Theo Weiss coming back and Jaleel Farouk looking really good, I, I think the leading receiver is who your deep ball threat is going to be. And Marvin Mims has proven to be, I think there's going to be more than one guy that's a legitimate deep ball threat, but he's proven himself to be you know, really good down the field. I just tweeted out a picture or a video today on the ref account of the play that he made against Texas because it's 17 days until kickoff, which was... I mean, in terms of catches from last year on the offensive side that weren't an incredible interception against Nebraska, Marvin Mims might have had the first and second best catches that we saw all of last year, Travis, in one game against UT. Unless I'm missing an obvious one. No, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. The text line, uh, old Doug. Doug, Doug Miles coming in, 5-7 and seven and lost to Kansas, leaves out the inexplicable fact that Texas, Texas's latest savior was unable to halt a losing streak until yes. it reached six games. Yes. Six games. And the only, Charlie Strong never had a six-game losing streak. Tom Herman never had a six-game losing streak. And the only reason that Texas finished 5-7 and seven instead of 4-8 and eight is because K-State's starting quarterback was out and their backup quarterback – might be one of the worst backup quarterbacks to ever start a <laughs> yeah. college football game. Yeah, that is the only. They reason got off easy at five and seven. I, dude, you, yeah, I honestly, yeah, and and you say, well, they shouldn't have lost to Kansas. Shouldn't have lost to Kansas. KU was up like fourteen nothing. Yeah, like they eight almost minutes blew that. In. Yeah, they were they were KU running away with it. Almost blew the game. They were leading by two scores virtually the entire game. Yeah. Five and seven was on the good end for UT. That should have been four and eight if K State had a healthy quarterback last year. They did, win that game. Did you see that the Kansas uh, player that caught the touch yes. uh, that caught the two point conversion? He was a walk on. He got put on scholarship. Uh, I think last week. I love so, that. So congratulations. Uh, Undertaker is fake. So is UT. I mean, there there's a good parallel there where, where wrestling is fake and they, they rely on a lot of hype and excitement and misdirection and characters being played. I think that's a pretty good parallel for uh, for the University of Texas. We are back on the uh, conversation of tailgating as we were uh, the last segment. I went to Tennessee and can say I never really saw a ton of tailgating. However, UT's campus had a ton of construction at the time and the amount of people walking around made it difficult to single out who was tailgating. There were some on the backside of Neyland, but you had to go down a set of stairs to get to it. If you ever walked Tennessee's campus, the last you want to do on a game day is walk up those narrow set of stairs. I think everyone was sailgating over there on the, what is that, the Tennessee River, right next to Neyland. Tennessee always has spots to tailgate. You just got to pull up your boat. Right, which is kind of cool. Maybe that's what OU's going to do to get ready for the SEC is build a man-made river right next to the stadium so OU fans can finally sail gates. <laughs> and it's going to be a bunch of uh, pontoon boats that are out there, which no, I do not – I love pontoon yeah. boats. I do not discriminate. Yeah. But it's not going to be these fancy sailboats that are out there like in Seattle at Washington. Maybe if we had more water features, we would uh, we would have a bunch of swimming trophies Gosh. like Texas. Can we can we do that? Build a build a fake river, build a man-made river around the stadium so it, it can all sailgate. Or is this not a sailgating type of uh, let, fan base? Let's let's at first you know get get away from the commercialized uh, tailgating before we try and build a river. There are a lot of parking lot. There are a lot of parking lots the university have redone over the past few years, such as the new south lots uh, of Sarkey's Energy Center. 
Those could easily be used for tailgating if you grass the areas where the curbing is for vehicles to back up to. You can even charge more. But saying, bottom line, the university can do so much more for tailgating and the fan experience. And in terms of tailgating, yeah, absolutely. Because tailgating is a major part of the fan experience. And it would be cool if around the stadium was more of a feature. Especially, you know, they they introduced this walk of champions not too long ago. And it feels like everyone in the SEC has some sort of a walk of champions. Ole Miss walks through the Grove, right? Uh, I think Tennessee has a pretty famous walk that they do to the stadium. I'm going to guess OU is going to want to recreate that somehow, and and tailgating around that area would be a pretty good idea if if that's what OU is wanting to do. Yeah, I mean, there are are good spots still. I don't want to – I don't want to totally say that uh, you know the only good spot is on Lindsay or the only good spot you know is in that area, but that's prime real estate, baby. There's a reason. Here's the thing. There's a reason the private tailgate company selected the Bud Lawn and the Walk of Champions. Yeah, they had like the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth overall draft picks on spots. Yeah, exactly. I mean, here's the thing. They went to the university and said, "Hey, we'll pay you for these things. Let us do these." Like they didn't. The, the reason that they picked those, like there's a reason the the good reserved, you know, special reserved parking spots are always close to the building. Tailgating at the Ohio State was insane, says the text line. Uh, the Undertaker's losses were all scripted. For Texas, losses just comes naturally. That's might be the text of the day. That's amazing. <laughs> Missouri Sooner says, how many boats can fit on the duck pond? Just a giant yeah, big boy on, are the, on the uh, <laughs> duck pond when everyone can come hang out. How about that? All right, 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. A couple more segments remaining on this Wednesday. Keep it locked in the ref for the homeless Center fans. I just played that for Travis Davidson. Final hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson inside the Brown O'Haver studio. He just had to hear it again, and I don't blame him. Brent Venable saying that he's coached in half of the last uh, half of the national championship games in the last twenty years. That's a flex right there. That, that is the ultimate flex. That is I don't I don't know if you know exactly who I am. Allow me to reintroduce myself. I mean, we know he works out, but that flex was, I think, his strongest that he's done. And we haven't heard him come out and say it in an interview. We've all said it. We've all said, hey, this isn't a normal coordinator hire. Like, this isn't this isn't a, just an, you know, an in-house hire and the easy hire or whatever. This guy's coached in a ton of national championship games. Won a few of them, too. Yeah. And yeah, he has won a few of them. And at the time, the, the three that he did win, his team knocked off. I think what was perceived as the best program in college football. Obviously, Bama in 16 and 18 were viewed as that. Right. I think Florida State was in 2000. Um, I agree. Won it in 99. Lost the championship game in 98 to Tennessee. Had won it in 93. I mean, Florida State was on was an on incredible a, on run. And had the number one ranked offense in the country yeah. going into the game, yeah. including the Heisman winner. I think, yeah, Florida State was definitely 
considered the top program in the sport in 2000. There were, there were some others that were in that mix. Nebraska, of course, they were having a nice little run yeah. there too, but Florida State may have surpassed him after playing for it in 98, winning it in 99, and then being there again in 2000. Yeah, and it was really, I mean, the 2000, that was his, that, that was to take the the best offense. And like I said, offenses have really transformed. You're not You're not shutting anybody out in a national championship anymore. But that was impressive. You know what's it's interesting now that you know training camp is really heating up. Um, I, I think LSU's got a big scrimmage tonight. They're down to a two quarterback race at this point. Jaden Daniels, the Arizona State transfer, trying to win that over Garrett Nussmeyer, who was a recent really high recruit. But I, you know, I hear stuff about LSU. I hear stuff about Chandler Morris leading the quarterback race at TCU. Texas being ravaged by injuries. Gary Bohannon winning the job at South Florida. Georgia, the offense might be ahead of the defense. You know who I don't hear anything Te- about? Who? Oklahoma State. All and- I've all I've heard is defensive line looks good. That's all I've heard. Yeah. Even I'm- even Texas A&M, you've heard they don't they don't know who their quarterback's going to be. It's 2 weeks away. Iowa State apparently likes Hunter Decker. They are yeah quietly very optimistic about what they're going to have this year so there's just all these news and notes across the country and at Oklahoma State it's like radio silent and I understand that they don't have the number of people covering their team on a daily basis but you think you'd hear something the only thing we hear about their training camp is Gundy coming out and saying you know oh they took the money and and ran what's what OU in Texas did you you know took the money and ran you were talking LSU quarterbacks how about Miles Brennan? Oh my God! Miles Brennan took yeah. the money and ran. He had an nil deal with the uh, with the dealership. Did he, he get had a car. He had raising canes. He had them. He had like four or five big nil deals. And since nil deals legally cannot be based on performance, he is the one who took the money and ran. So Jeez. Gundy, maybe Gundy was talking about him, and then just. Had a little brain fart and said, oh, you in Texas, because that's what he was really thinking. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Georgia, their offense ahead of their defense is reportedly the scuttlebutt coming out of camp down there. I don't really know what to make of uh, – defense is still going to have to carry the day for Georgia. <clears throat> well, of course. And that's where the replacing production argument always threw me off, right? Like, everybody talks about, oh, you lost all this talent. Well, yeah, but losing talent to the portal – or losing talent to the NFL, they're still not suiting up for you next year. So there's no difference from a roster-building standpoint. So Georgia's basically entire defense got drafted. I mean, they've still got, obviously, they've recruited extremely well on that side of the ball. So they'll, they'll reload. But when you have that much of a defense drafted, there's going to be growing pains on the defense, and that offense ain't going to carry him. I know, man, and I believe in the championship drought. Well, my Atlanta Braves are now suffering the uh, championship hangover. We just continue to roll along. Uh, Could uh, beat the Mets last two nights in a row. Hope Eric up there in Nebraska is listening to that. But, um, yeah, I I, I believe in a championship hangover, and I think Georgia – I don't think Georgia's going to roll off an 8-4 and or even a 9-3 and but I'm not picking them to, to make the college football playoff. No, I think they'll win the East. Yeah. I mean, but – I think they'll win the East. I have no, beat by Alabama. Again, I have no confidence a... of anybody else in the East. I mean, Florida went 2-6 and six, yeah. uh, in the SEC last year on way of going 6-7. and seven. I mean, it's Missouri. I mean – I, I do mean, like Kentucky. Kentucky. Everyone is – either Will Levis is really awesome or he's massively overrated. Well, There's football no... school. 
Yeah, football what, school in Kentucky. That's what, that's what Mark Stoops says. <laughs> you don't cross the Stoops, man. Yeah, the SEC East is is pretty bad outside of Georgia. There are some that's optimistic on Tennessee. Well, okay. I gotta see it to yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta see it to believe that. But I, I think Georgia will lose a game in the regular season, lose to Bama, and I, I don't think Georgia's going to the playoff. I, I don't think there's going to be two so SEC either. teams in. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, with and especially hearing the news that the offense is ahead of the defense. Yeah, and you know, I, my four, uh, my four was OU, was Bama, was Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Boy, that Notre Dame pick is really starting to scare me. Notre they, Dame and Clemson is kind of the the toss up for me yeah. because there's so much new at Clemson. New offensive coordinator, new new defensive coordinator. Todd Bates is gone. Miguel, Miguel Chavis is gone. Thad Turnipsey is gone. I mean, with that, Clemson was terrible before Brent Venable showed up. He shows up, boom, couple national championships. Now that guy's gone. So, do they look like pre Venable's Clemson, or were they able to develop? structurally and culturally enough culturally we'll go with that enough to where now they can they can withstand that that exit it just seems like Notre Dame's been decimated by some injuries this trading camp Notre Dame has Texas obviously has and apparently USC is pretty dinged up as well especially on the defensive side of the ball which is real bad news because they have no bad defense they have no depth whatsoever guys it's 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 going to be pretty easy to see what USC is going to be this year They'll score a lot of points. I don't doubt that, but they're going to give it up I, just as easily. I, I, I mean, I want to see what their what their offensive line looks like. That's Obviously, true. They've got talent. They're not short on talent, but as we've seen, Benny Wiley is out there. You know what he's doing to those offensive linemen? Do you see him? They're doing splits, doing somersaults, and all that. That's no, like there's there's a reason, especially after hearing all the stories from the offensive linemen and the rest of the team about Schmitty. And it's like, oh, man, we didn't get any stronger under Benny Wiley. It's like, okay, well, you've got the talent then, but are they going to be running for them? Is Caleb Williams going to be running for his life, trying to wrestle the ball away from you know Kansas defenders? They're going to be so bad defensively. I mean, epically bad. On yeah. They don't have any personnel. They don't have any depth. Their best players are beat up right now. Uh, big yikes on that side for uh, USC. All right, we got one final segment. We'll close up the show next. Keep it locked right here. We're the ref. It's the Homeless Sooner fans.